Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. Our first lesson comes from Genesis, and we are really literally here beginning with the beginning. Listen now to the Word of God. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth with a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and so it was. And God called the dome sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them be signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the dome of the sky and give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. And so God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind, in which the and with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters of the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things, and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. 
And God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind, and the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And so God created humankind in His image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon earth. And God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all the work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that He had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth, and when they were created. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The reading from the New Testament this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. It is at the very end of that gospel. It is the story after Jesus has left his ministry. He has been crucified and resurrected, and he meets with the disciples. And then these last four verses. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Do you have one of these at your house? Maybe not this particular one, but something sort of like it. Do you know what's in it? Well, we have pliers. And we have gadgets. And we have, ah, this is what I was looking for. This is my favorite tool. Hammer. This is a toolbox, right? You have something like this at home? It may not be, you know, like this. It may be like in my, in my apartment, I have a, literally a box that has some tools in it. But there are all sorts of things that we have. This is the church's toolbox, and the facilities crew uses this from time to time to fix things. Now, tools are, are wonderful. Oh, another great, a great tool that I like is a screwdriver. 
But you know, there's some things for which a screwdriver works really, really well, and there's some things that it doesn't work well for. You could say, though, you know, some people, I'll come back to this one, some people really like the hammer. I mean, because it can do all sorts of things. And when something doesn't go right, then you can, you know? Anybody ever had that feeling? Yeah, I can tell. You're that kind of, you're that kind of crew, I understand. Um, but a toolbox is, is useful because it's a collection of tools that we use for different things at different times and purposes. And we need them. But there are other kinds of tools, too, that aren't the manipulative kinds that we use. If you think about it, um, a computer is a tool. It allows you to communicate with the world in different ways. It allows you to obtain information. It allows you to do work. Um, those little handheld devices we have can be tools that will assist us. You can find all sorts of programmable things that can set heating and lighting in your home or control how you hear or any number of other things. There are all sorts of tools that we have and we put them in boxes or we put them in containers so that we can share them. This summer, I'm, for the next several weeks, I'm going to be talking um, around a theme of a Christian's toolbox. What are the tools that we have as Christians that help us share our faith, that help us understand our faith, first of all, but then also give us ways that we can talk to other people about it, those who are other Christians or those who may not be, who may have other faith commitments. And in our Christian toolbox for, that I'm going to speak of, and there could be other things that go in it as well, um, but I'm going to speak it's, uh, over the next several weeks of using the Apostles' Creed, the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Beatitudes as tools that we use. Now, not every one of those was going to fit every situation every time, but they give us, when you add them all together, they give us a basic framework, a basic way of framing how we share what we believe and how we talk about it. There are going to be other topics that could go in there, other resources, other uh, sources that you might want to, to add to your toolbox of faith um, and that we, could, we can talk about. And I hope that it, it gives, you, gives us an opportunity to, to dialogue back and forth about what you find useful. Because sometimes a tool is particularly useful at a time and then it may go a season or two without being, being utilized. We can find ways that we use these. So these, these tools, the Apostles' Creed, the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, the Beatitudes, are all come to us as ways of explaining and, and sharing and understanding our faith. When we talk about our faith, there is very often or, or sometimes there's an assumption that our faith is about how we believe and what we believe. And the point of that can be, are we saved? Do you believe Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in order that you might be saved? One Sunday when I was in high school, I was dispatched to go to church and to pick up my grandmother 
who had attended the worship service. For some reason, I had not. Um, when I was in high school, that was not unusual. What was unusual was that my mother wasn't at church. I, I trying to figure, still trying to figure that one out. I think she was preparing the noonday meal and the family was coming to gather. So she, maybe she had recruited me to assist her and part of my assistance was to go pick up my grandmother who had gone to church that morning. So I went to pick her up and I must confess when I was in high school, um, I looked a little different. Um, I wore holy jeans and that doesn't mean they were sanctified. Um, and I wore pretty ratty t-shirts and I wore holy shoes with tennis shoes that, that were, had been well worn. Um, and I was standing outside the front of the sanctuary, much like we have doors here at the front. I was standing on the back side of there waiting for my grandmother to, to pick her up and to take her. And a woman came up to me as the doors opened and the, and the crowd dispersed, the, the service was over. And I was standing there in my, you know, clothes, my teenage self. Um, and I also had some pretty, pretty mean looking mutton chops at the time. Um, and I had hair, okay, that's all I'll say, I had hair. <laughs> and a woman came up to me and, and she said, uh, she looked at me, she sort of stopped as I was standing there and, and she, she looked at me and, and she kind of went by and came back and she, she said, young man, are you saved? And it sort of took me off guard. Um, and that's a whole other conversation we can have. But I think she was asking me, did I believe that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior? I think that's what she meant. That was the coded language for that. And she was asking, do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? Belief can be expressed as an idea or a, a creed. Um, it can be a way of, of shaping uh, and giving some sort of substance to, to a larger amount of information. It can be a, a, a belief through using a creed or using a piece of scripture it can be a doorway into uh, our, the way we share our life. And that's what the Apostles' Creed does. The Apostles' Creed gives us a doorway that we can believe. And it, it begins with the language of belief. And we'll use this in just a few minutes. I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. I believe. I, and each one of you will say that. I believe. And we move through into this, this pathway of believing. Most of the time, or very often, we think of belief as a binary operation. It's either yes or no. You either believe this or you don't. And we don't want to believe something that's wrong because if we believe something that's wrong, then it doesn't, it, it, it may show badly on us. We may be humiliated. We may be exposed. We may be uh, not in a good place. And so how do we then believe? Al Wynn, who is a Presbyterian pastor and a theologian, um, has written a, a good bit about Christian faith and life. And he lifts up the story that uh, in Mark 9 of Jesus' uh, encounter with a, the, a man 
who has a son who is ill. He has convulsions. The son has convulsions. And the, the father brings the son to, the, to Jesus. And there's this, this interaction in Mark 9. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father says, from childhood. It has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if, but if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you are able, all things can be done to the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. To believe is to risk something. It's to put something out there and, and we want to believe but we don't want to be wrong. Wynne suggests that another way of saying this is I believe yet how can it be so? How can this be? I want to believe, I, I do believe, I, I live that way. How do we then say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Around the world today, Christian churches, Catholic and Protestant, are lifting up the doctrine of the Trinity as a point of teaching and preaching. The Trinity is that idea that God is three in one and one in three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is central to our Christian affirmation. It gives us our language, it gives us our uh, understanding. Yet, how can God be three in one and one in three? How can God be three persons and yet one? It has been a long standing sub matter of, of theological and practical consideration. There are some, some uh, simpler explanations that are put up forth. Um, a shamrock, a shamrock is a symbol for the Trinity and it has three leaves and yet it is one, uh, it is one plant. An egg has a shell, it has a yolk, and it has a white. They are all three, but they are one. Water can exist in three states. It can be liquid, it can be solid for ice, it can be steam. Those are ways that we attempt to put substance to our affirmation, but they don't they don't always get it. They don't always get to the point. The Trinity, when we say that God is three in one, it is not to say that God has three separate states of being that are separate from each other. The Trinity is a way of saying that God is three and God is one all at the same time. The notion or the, the doctrine developed um, 150 years or so after Jesus lived because there was a man named Marcion who said Jesus was divine. He was not human at all. And all that stuff that you read about in the Hebrew scriptures, the Jewish Messiah, throw that all out. That's what Marcion said. And so the church in its wisdom said, no, that's, that's not where we believe. Jesus was a fulfillment of something that had gone before and that there is something that we need to work at to try to explain. Jesus was born of a woman. 
There was a real physical incarnation that happened with that. And it created some confusion and, and uh, uh, debate. And so the church resolved that by formulating the Apostles' Creed in much the same language we will use today. It's been tweaked from time to time since then, but, but the, the basic idea, I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. So there's a way in which we could say, well, that was an ancient tool. That was something that was used a long time ago. It was helpful for them. I'm not so sure it's really helpful now. What's the impact for us here in 2017? One of the basic principles that we inherit from our Jewish brothers and sisters is that we don't make idols. In fact, in the Ten Commandments, you shall not make an idol or a graven image, is the language of Exodus 24. Yet, humanity has this wonderful way of making, making idols. We, we empower items and we empower ideas to be our idols, to, to replace God. And so the Trinity is a way of speaking against that. The Trinity is beyond our human imagination. We cannot completely render it, and yet for us to talk about it, we've got to use human language. To, to use it in art, we've got to use human forms. And we run into the challenge of language. God is the Father. Well, does that mean God is not the mother? There is that peace out there. In, in Genesis 1, when God created humanity, God created humankind, God created male and female. In God's image, God created us. God is not male. God is not female. God is beyond that. Yet we live in a world where we deal with those definitions. And we use language which responds to those. But God is beyond what we can see. And the Trinity is, the idea of the Trinity is to help us see beyond what we know so that we can affirm that which is beyond us. Professor Wynn wrote this way, I believe in God the Father, that statement in quotes, means that God cares for us, God is really concerned about our troubles and our needs and our joys. It means God wants us to grow and to take responsibility for our lives, sometimes leaving us alone in our pain and our perplexity so we can grow. It means God judges us and disapproves of all that is sinful and wrong in us and works to correct it. It means God loves not indulgently, but wisely, drawing out the best in us. It means God teaches us. It means God suffers for and with us. It means even God's wrath is the means that God cannot ignore us and let us destroy ourselves in an undetached and uncaring way. God, God's love for us is always a just love. And God's justice towards us is always a loving justice. 
We struggle with this concept of Trinity. Essentially, it is a way for us, for Christians, to say God is beyond what we know and God is one in that. Shirley Guthrie, another Presbyterian theologian, wrote that Christians believe in a living God. We, we believe in a living God. That's, we don't believe in a believing God. We believe in a living God. God is real and with us and moves with us. And expressing this God as one true God is what defines Christians from other faith traditions. In order to have a meaningful dialogue with, with people, but to be able to tell people who we are, other Christians or other, um, other faiths, we need to know who we are. As a rabbi friend of mine one time said to me, he said, Joel, unless you tell people Jesus is Lord, no one else will. I'm not going to do it. Unless we are willing to share Jesus as Lord, nobody else is. And we need our language to do that, and we do it with the words of the triune God. Andrew Purvis is a Scottish theologian. He taught here in the United States in Pittsburgh for many years. He described an experience one time where he um, returned home his, to Scotland, to his home. His father was dying, and he went home to, to visit and to be with his parents during that time. Shortly after he returned home, his, his mother told him that his father had not been cleaned or showered in, in a while, and he needed, his father needed that. And she told her son that he was to be the one to care for the father. And so he prepared the shower, he prepared his father, he prepared to get in, and he got in the shower, which means he made himself vulnerable. And he held his father up, could not completely stand by himself, but he, he attended to his father to make sure he did not fall. He felt the water run down over them. He felt the um, soap and the lather all around them. And he, he, Purvis says that in that experience, he realized a, a way of thinking about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is around and with. God came to be incarnate, to be part of the world, and to respond to the needs that people have. It was a moment of clarity that all sorts of theological conversation led to, maybe, but, but was elucidated, was made real in that very particular moment. All of this is not to try to convince anybody who's skeptical or who demands that you go yes or no here or there. But all of this is shared this morning so that as we seek to follow to be disciples of Jesus, we can have some basic tools that can help us make connections between our believing and our doing. Our actions flow from our affirmations, and our affirmations are made stronger by what we do. In this way, we live and we share the faith 
that we have been taught, that we give and we transmit, in this way we receive this moment what God is up to with us, with you and with me. In this way, we say, I believe. Help me in all my times of life. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.